This is People Who Play, a show about the art of playful living. I'm Emma Warrillow, researcher, writer and part-time mermaid. And I'm Ben Martin, content creator and nostalgia junkie. Every episode we discuss family life, playtime and we interview a guest who has found a way to play at life. From creatives to educators to comedians, our aim is to inspire more grown-ups to grow down and unleash their unique play powers. If you'd like to join our play crew and find more inspiration and info on play, follow at playful underscore den on Instagram. And for all your retro feels, find me on Instagram at benflyingretro. I'm on there too, at Emma Warrillow, E-M-M-A, W-O-R-R-O-L-L-O, really. This podcast drops bi-weekly on Mondays, but if that's not enough to get your playful vibes vibing, you can also join my Patreon for £5 a month and you'll get a personal pod from me, which drops alternate Mondays. Plus, you can now watch the video interviews of our guests directly in there too. We really do appreciate all your likes, subscribes, follows and shares. These digital high fives really mean a lot to us and help us to grow the show. Okay, let's get on with the episode. It's playtime. Hello, play people. How are we doing? Back with another guest episode. And my guest this week, for many of you, I'm sure, requires no introduction because she is a a role model, a thought leader, and I think someone who is just a fresh burst of awesomeness in the space of parenting and mothering in social media, particularly on Instagram. Anna Mather is a mother of three, an author, a podcaster, and a psychotherapist. She is also the founder of Mother Mind Way, which is a really cool online platform which has low cost resources which support the emotional and mental health of mums. We are talking a little bit in this episode about Anna's third book, The Little Book of Calm for New Mums, which is a genius gift for any new mum and is the sort of stuff that I really wanted to think about and learn about before I came a mum and what I talk about in this episode a little bit is comparing the differences in the resources and information that are circulated and available now compared from when I had our first son Phoenix which was now 12 years ago oh my goodness where's the time going um up to now with Scout and he's just two and this whole concept or school of thought around working on your own mental health as a mother and the impact that that has on your children and the gift that it is to your children I think is still a relatively new way of thinking and approaching motherhood and is quite hard and we are very child centric and focused on making the child safe and protected and happy and in that process sometimes our own joy and our own happiness and our own protection can get lost and I think what Anna is brilliant at is finding these metaphors and sort of ways of articulating the just crazy emotions that we get as parents and helping to understand them and lean into them and find solutions to to really work with us to help us manage things like anxiety intrusive thoughts um, and so on Um, Anna is so brilliant at doing this and I could speak to her 
all day I think I really love connecting with her she has a really calming energy and I hope that you're gonna enjoy this chat we talk a lot about um, play in motherhood we talk a lot about social media and how it impacts our parenting journey for better and for worse and how reframing and sort of aligning that content with our mood and feelings can make a massive impact I love this conversation and I hope you do too here is the interview Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this whole period of time with you all to myself. I feel so lucky. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here and talk with you about play and motherhood and anxiety and all the different topics we'll cover. And I love following you. You've really, really prompted me to explore what play means for me. I think so often the focus is on the kids. Oh, good. I'm so pleased to hear that. Thank you. And I have enjoyed following your journey. And actually, that's something that I want to get into in a little while, because I just I'm, I'm really fascinated by the relationship of social media on the experience of motherhood, both positively and negatively. And I feel like you're just like, like a, a soothing balm to some of what is out there in the experience of navigating it. So I want to get stuck into that a little bit um, later on. But yeah, it's great to it's great to have you here. One thing I like to um, invite my guests to share is how they played as a child and if you can spot anything in those play preferences that show up in your adult life and Mm -hmm. and it might not be you know exact behaviors but it might be more sort of characteristics or things that you learn or any kind of sort of sort of links that you can you can see there so tell us Anna um, about how you used to play as a kid so interesting it's so interesting to reflect back and I think when I look back I grew up in a little cottage in a valley and we would do a lot of stuff with kind of neighbors. So we had friends up the road and we would just go and play in the woods. So we were surrounded by woodland, kind of quite cut off miles and miles to school. We used to get a bus to get a bus and we had a little village pub that we all worked in. And yeah, so it was a lot of kind of playing, playing in woods, building dens. Um, My friends and I would create magazines um, and we would sell them to locals for like 5p and we'd make up word searches and I did a lot of creating so I was always in trouble in a loving way because I never really cared that much for getting glue on the carpet and I liked all these different I liked embossing and I liked making candles and I liked decoupage I remember that was a phase I went through and it would always just be doing something creative and I yeah so I think that was the main the main way we played we had a lot of really we went through a really really hard time as a family so my sister my younger sister was two and she got diagnosed with brain tumor so a lot of my childhood between kind of up until I was the age of 10 and beyond was really that journey of losing my sister over the years through through the cancer and her cancer treatments and and I think you know then play took on a very different form my brother and I we would just find any we would be in lots of different places sometimes we even lived in Birmingham Children's Hospital and stayed in the accommodation for short times and we would just have to make up our own fun 
Um, and play was a big part of hospital life. They would always have these kind of huge playrooms with all these different toys. So we'd be running up and down the corridors and playing, playing there with the different children. And it play play was an escape for us. Yeah. You know, it was an escape from from what we were going through. And even I remember um, after my sister had died and we were in this beautiful little kind of village cemetery near my parents' house. And I remember we'd gone there to visit her grave and it was, I think, maybe the week after we'd buried her. And my brother and I were rolling down the hill on the grassy banks and we were doing that thing, you know, and you stand up and you're like kind of like drunkenly stumbling around and grass in our hair. And, and I look back and I think, you know, even in the midst of all that was going on, there was play, Yeah, you know, and play, it wasn't, I think often as adults, we can find ourselves, people, especially clients of mine who talk often about this, especially where there's journey of grief and loss, you know, it's, oh, I feel so bad. I feel so guilty for laughing or having moments yeah. of joy because I feel like I'm not honoring that difficult time that I've been through or going through. And I think as children, we didn't really question it yeah. in that way. You know, one one minute we might have cried, the next minute we might have been in absolute stitches about a joke or some something that we'd done. And and it, yeah, so so play, I think, was just kind of interwoven through mm. A, through challenge and heartache gosh that's so interesting yeah. um and also I think shows children's natural ability to be in the present and to just accept that moment that's coming to you that something's funny and not kind of overthink it and sort of say well I shouldn't I shouldn't be feeling this right now they just it just sort of comes out and it's so that image of you in that graveyard is so um, thank you for sharing that. It's so sort of like visceral and, and I can sort of see it and feel it. And I think as adults, what happens and as you're describing with your clients, um, we we sort of like try and compartmentalize things in a way that just children don't. So when we think about play and having fun, we tend to associate that like when we deserve it as a reward, when we're up, when we're kind of on holiday or when we're sort of with people and we we kind of put it in that box, but actually bringing together the light and the dark, that's kind of what we need to do much more. And that's actually when play is at its most powerful. That's when you, it can be harder as an adult. We don't have that sort of fluidity that children do, but it's it's that's when you need to kind of push through and do it because the sort of the implications and and kind of what it does in our minds and and the knock-on effects can be really great but we like you say don't feel like it's relevant during those darker moments Mm, yeah and I think you know I was just thinking about a lot of the fun that us adults have is kind of quite passive it's almost like we like we like fun and joy to happen to us so we might watch something funny on television and yes it's it can feel good to laugh, but ultimately when we do something playful, you know, I've, I remember so vividly seeing this woman go past my kitchen window on this adult scooter. And I, I stood there and I thought, oh my goodness, what, that is so ridiculous. Like who has an adult scooter? And you know, when you can't stop thinking about something. And then I think it was over a year ago, my husband bought me a scooter and I flip in love it and I think there was something in my judgment of this lady Mm. go whizzing down the road on an adult scooter that was actually almost like a jealousy that Mm -hmm. she's doing something that so looks so silly and looks so fun for the sake of 
if nothing other, I guess, you know, why would you be doing whizzing up and down like a development raid on a skeeter <laughs> for any other reason than just because it's fun? Mm. And, I, and I have so much fun on my skeeter and I absolutely love it. And I go out with the kids and instead of just kind of walking around and making sure that, you know, stick to the left, stick to the left, stay on the pavement, I'm with them. Yeah. I'm doing the fun too. Yeah. You know, I'm not just facilitating the fun. It's not passive where I'm just getting a bit of enjoyment from seeing them have fun. I'm doing the fun. Yeah. I think this is like one of the most unspoken secrets about parenthood is that you're allowed to join in, but you can join in for your own benefit, not for the kids. So even if you're sitting down and playing Play-Doh with them, you don't need to like entertain them or set them an activity or give them something to do you can literally just like play for yourself you can scoot with them for yourself and I feel like it's this unspoken secret that I want to share and I think that you know that was so often as as mothers where everything we're doing is about um you know that's that's for the child that's for the child and finding these like little sort of like fun moments where we can participate but it's not really encroaching on you know, their play, they're still doing it. It's not necessarily about us, you know, doing some sort of adult led activity. We're just, we're just joining in. But I think that's so much better because I think the more we facilitate things for our children and the focus is on, are they enjoying what I'm facilitating? There's a pressure attached to that. There's a pressure attached to them to be almost performing and play to, to show that they're having a good time because you've put time and energy into it. Therefore, you know, they might slip into that people pleasing of mum has put energy and effort into making this, sorting this out for me. I want to show her that I'm enjoying it. But when you're doing it too, it takes the pressure off them and it gives you fun. Completely. Yeah. So play is like this, this portal, I describe it where there is no right and wrong in the the sort of bubble of play. There is no, you're not doing it for the outcome. And as soon as you add in those things where there's a right way of doing it, where there's like a particular process that you're following to get to an outcome, then it, it, it does change. It feels different. There is an expectation and it, it, you might still have an experience of play but on that kind of spectrum of uh, you know a bit playful or like deep deep play you don't quite get up there when you've got that pressure on one another yeah and I think sometimes and this is what I'm finding with myself it's kind of that undoing of that growing up and all that that means to you and all that that the narratives that you have around being kind of this sensible grown-up adult and I did you know I wrote a whole book called Know Your Worth which is about basically undoing a lot of the a lot of how we've kind of changed as we've grown up because you know as we look at the children we see that they they are okay being in that parallel of one minute I'm upset and I'm sad yeah. and I'm responding to something sad and the next minute I'm in stitches because I'm responding to something good and neither takes away from the value of the other and I also have this memory in my mind and we were at the beach and my kids always you know I'm always like oh getting their swim stuff on so they can go and paddle around in the sea and it started absolutely pouring it down with torrential rain and everyone around us was dragging all their stuff putting it in bags quickly running back to the car and the kids didn't want to go and and I had on this like crop top thing that like see-through crop top thing from Sainsbury's like this kind of you know lacy thing that just isn't really a bar and it's not really anything else and uh, and this kind of gray white thong and 
I think I just had a dress on over the top and I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in the sea with them in the rain. And I just took off my dress. I, and I just ran in the sea with them and it was amazing. I got out and my husband was like, what? You don't do stuff. (laughs) And I was like, who says? Yeah. Why not? That, yeah. You know, and he's like, you never would, you don't normally go in the sea. You don't. And sometimes I think we have to be willing to challenge our own understanding of what we do and what we don't do and allow and kind of climb out of our own box and like this is what it means to be a grown-up this is what it means to be sensible this is what I am this is what I do and don't do and I I love the fact that my husband was like what you don't do that I'm like who says well you just did so you do I just did and I've been in the sea (laughs) so many times since then because it was just so invigorating and life-affirming to join them Mm. in their play Mm. and be like there must be something fun in this if they're like you know just wanting to go into the sea in this pouring rain whilst everyone else is running away from it I want to get a bit of what that is and I did and it was wonderful and it really just you know those moments that just kind of tweak something but sometimes we have to push the boundaries of our own boxes and be like why do I why don't I do stuff like that why do I think I shouldn't do stuff like that why is my husband so used to me not doing stuff like that that he's surprised so yeah I like to surprise myself now and surprise my kids and surprise my husband I love that and I think part of you know, I, I talk to people about, you know, um, unleashing their kind of the, the, the characteristic of playfulness and, and things like creativity and imagination. And part of the problem with not doing those things is because we don't see ourselves as people who do those things. And it's sort of like it's changing the script, like you're saying. It's challenging. I'm, I'm not a person who is creative. Well, if you've just had to invent five different lunch boxes for the week actually you've already used your creativity so you are someone that used your creativity you have to sort of change the script on yourself and I think it does take those little moments like what you described there to to do that so you start doing more of them but it's incredible how we have these really fixed narratives of ourselves that we haven't even like consciously written them they they just sort of happened and they go through different transitions and different life stages and suddenly as you describe you're a person that doesn't run into the sea <laughs> um and yeah it's, it's about sort of yeah just just finding those moments of spontaneity to change that I think also what I hear in that story is the spirit of adventure and not enough is spoken about um how much we crave and need adventure and I think when we hear the word adventure we think like you know bear grills going off on <laughs> off on up on a mountain but we can have the spirit of adventure in our everyday we can find it everywhere and what how you found it there was doing the opposite to what everyone else was doing and to do the unexpected and to do something that felt um you know a little bit uncomfortable a little bit sort of out of your you know perhaps what you would normally do and I think that spirit of adventure in the context of motherhood which can be so repetitive and you know you're doing sort of the same things and you're constantly coming up against all these like challenges in your relationships to have that spirit of adventure I think is so impactful on your mood and your relationship to yourself and your family yeah and sometimes I ask myself you know why not because the kids might say mommy will you do this can we go here and you know there might 
my grown up brain is like, well, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to be back in time for this. And then I'd need to do all of that. And I just, you know, part of my brain suddenly just goes, why not? Why? Well, just why not? Yeah. And I love, you know, I keep thinking about this metaphor at the moment of if a bird is in a cage for long enough, you know, you will, op- you can open the door to that cage and the bird will stay in the cage. And it begs the question, you know, is the bird in the cage or is the cage in the bird? And I think sometimes, you know, we have so many opportunities, but we're not, no one's stopping us. No Mm. one's stopping you running into the sea. No one's stopping. But, you know, those things are there for us. But often what is stopping us is that is internal. We've kind of internalized this belief system. And I think, you know, there's and social media fuels this so much, this kind of caricature of motherhood. Like, what does it mean to be a mom? It means to be always nurturing, always giving, always patient, always loving, always self-sacrificing, always, you know, kind and responsive. And what about the whole rest of our humanness that gets lost in that caricature? You know, the anger and the rage and the fun and the needs and the, you know, that I don't actually, I don't care about that. Or that's boring. Or I want to do that. Or, you know, we're all a child as well. And I think social media has a lot to say for this fueling of this is what a mum looks like. This is what you do. This is how you act. And sometimes the most powerful thing we can do for ourselves is be like, well, why not? Yeah. Why can't I do that? Why? What do I actually like? What do I actually want? What do I actually gravitate towards? Where am I underneath? You know, what part of me is actually in a cage that the door is flung open And I can engage in these things, but I've just got this belief that I shouldn't want to, or I shouldn't need to, or I shouldn't feel that way. And yeah, 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 it's so true. I think I'd love to get your thoughts on the, the impact of social media on the experience of motherhood. Um, So I know um, you're a psychotherapist. How, how long have you been doing that for? I'm just curious if, if you, I guess what I'm trying to get to is have you seen different different challenges different a change in people's anxiety and fears from the start of your career through to as social media has increased and digital living has become kind of more of the everyday I'm just I'm yeah I'm really interested if you've if you've Mm. spotted anything yeah I think um I think a lot was accelerated in the pandemic because we just spent so much more time there. Like I think it was, you know, it was an escape for people. It was a way of connecting and a way of being reminded that there was a world outside, you know, your own yeah. home. Um, when I started life as a therapist, I started my, so I did my degree in 2004 to 2007. Then I, when I was 25, so a lot of the masters you can't do, before you're 25 so I worked in marketing for a bit and did kind of mentoring and stuff and then um when did I start that I think it was like 2009 2010 I started my training and started working with with clients soon after that and I wasn't really engaged in the digital social media world at all I didn't really have Instagram I didn't really I mean Facebook was a big thing back then um but I just kind of mostly used it to connect with uh, university friends and yeah it just didn't really factor for me it wasn't really a question that I thought about how how is this affecting kind of mums because I wasn't a mum and then I think I I downloaded Instagram when I had a really refluxy um crying 
crying screamy baby in 2016 2017 and um that was when I really got a taste of of social media and my first child I hadn't really been kind of engaged engaged in it but then I started you know I I sought out experiences of motherhood that resonated with me and I remember finding kind of a Munsey mum and G Fletcher I think and just reading some of their commentary on motherhood and finding that really really like just really enjoying it mm. and then I think as the years have gone by and it's just become even more I don't know there's like two sides of it really isn't there there's like the polished side the the kind of the aspirational yeah side and then I do think there is an increasing number of mums that are really willing and motivated yeah. to share the kind of all of the different aspects of motherhood but at the end of the day our brains are hardwired to believe what we see which is mm. why you know when we think of magic tricks we're like oh my gosh because what we're seeing isn't what what is real obviously mm. and it is just a trick of the mind and that's why we're so astounded but you know to constantly remind ourselves that these little snapshots are not the full picture it's absolutely exhausting and it requires an energy and a self-coaching that often we we don't do or we can't do we don't have mm. the energy to be consistently reminding ourselves so we're constantly being drawn to a place that is challenging our perception of reality and it's it's really hard and I think I think social media is one of the most destructive tools of our generation um but also it is incre- it's an incredibly powerful way of connecting people with connecting people's stories so that people feel seen and heard in ways that perhaps they might not have friends going through that specific thing in their immediate circle. Mm. So it's just such, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a double-edged sword. And yeah, it really is. It's a lot well, of comparison and anxiety and yeah, that's all do, going on. Do you think, because I feel like there is so much around about anxiety particularly in in mothers and and a lot of people um contact me um specifically about one issue of that which is allowing children to participate in risky play I think that's a real struggle for a lot of um mums and something um yeah a lot of people find difficult but do, do you feel that like, are we more anxious? I don't know if the, the data is is sort of showing that, but it feels like that. I don't yeah. know if it's easy to just look back through kind of rose tinted glasses at like 80s mums and be like, they seem pretty chill. <laughs> they were yeah. just like, see you later. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, well, is, is that yeah. true? Or We are more anxious. Yeah. Absolutely. We absolutely utterly are. And I, um, I did a whole chapter in my book on maternal anxiety with my mum and we basically spoke about why are we what's different Mm. like what's different between when she was a mum when I like in my experience of motherhood because she she she's a therapist as well she'll say Anna your your generation are just so fearful yes and there's so much health anxiety in this and I think a couple of a couple of the reasons that this I mean, amongst many other reasons, but I think one is that we have so much access to so much information. You know, I will scroll on Instagram and I'll see a post about parenting by a psychologist or, you know, a parenting expert. And I will suddenly be like, oh my gosh, I've been parenting the wrong way the whole time. I've been saying that and I shouldn't have been saying that. And I'm (laughs) like, oh my goodness. And it's almost like, you know, there's, there's information on everything kind of the nuances of every kind of aspect of motherhood and someone is telling you how to do it right. And I think we want to do right for our children. 
you know we want it's we're motivated to to not get things too wrong we don't yeah. want them you know having lengthy therapy down the line because of a mistake that we've made or a stance that we've taken you know so I think because there there is so much information out there there is so many things telling you what is right and what is wrong it's almost like we're walking parenting on this tightrope of this is it there is a right way yeah. and like what if I get it wrong yeah so I think there's so much fear you know I remember scrolling and, and seeing some someone's child had gone through this horrendous kind of illness and I, it was something I'd never heard of I'd never heard of this illness, right? So I then go and Google it. I'm like, what is this? And I go and Google it. And suddenly I've just added a whole nother reason to worry about my child having, you know, certain symptom that before I might not have thought anything of. So knowledge could be power, but I think we're utterly overwhelmed by it. We're overwhelmed by so much knowledge. We know things that we never would have known before. And that can be really useful sometimes. But actually, when it comes to anxiety, we've just got even more fodder, even more fuel for things to be looking out for and to be hypervigilant about. And, yep. you know, some really niche stuff. I remember learning about spontaneous combustion. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, my gosh, like, I could just burst into flames at any given moment. So it feels like well, yes, a yes, parent, my yes, three kids a lot of the time. Spontaneously combusting on the daily. Yes. But you know, it's like it's this we we can know so much. When do we ever not know stuff? When do we ever just sit there and be like, oh, I don't know anything about that without going, oh, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna find out. When do we yeah. have an why are we not okay with having unanswered questions anymore? Yes. You know, why why can't we just wonder? Yeah. Or figure that answer out ourselves. So I have a background in research and um, generational research in particular. And I think one of the things that's happening to parents having so much information is a sense that the answer is out there. There is a solution out there. And if I'm not fixing the problem, therefore I must be the problem because I know that all the answers exist out there. All the information is out there. And I think... So often, actually, in parenting, there isn't an answer. (laughs) Like sometimes there are just kind of bits that are just a bit crap that you just have to sort of grit your teeth and get through. Um, But I think we're in this constant um, like fixing um, and sort of solutions based mindset rather than just um, sometimes accepting that there might not be a solution or our solution is not going to be exactly what we find. It's a sort of like nuanced version of that. So, and we don't allow ourselves to trust our intuition to figure it out. So my eldest is um, 12 and my youngest is two. And when I had Phoenix, I didn't really do social media or Instagram wasn't really that much of a thing. There was no TikTok. And I parented so intuitively. I started reading one parenting book and um, thank goodness for ones like yours, because that's what I was looking for. But this one it was not. And, and I just thought, I'm just going to just going to figure it out. Um, and as, as a sort of a naturally playful person, that really helped me because when you're in tune with your playfulness, that's what you do. You see different possibilities and you're willing to try things out. Um, obviously, it's scarier when it what you're trying those out on is an actual small human, but it's kind of just how we, we need to learn. And there's such a difference now. I've got um, 
the toddler and obviously I'm deeply kind of more ingrained in the social media world and every now and again like me and my husband will be having a conversation about something that he's done or whatever and I'll sort of like spout something out and he's like oh can you just stop Instagram parenting (laughs) and I'm like yeah that is so annoying (laughs) we absorb Um, it don't we we absorb what we're immersed in we absorb yes and it will start coming out of us and you know we might like to think that that's not true but it's it is how it works by osmosis we just absorb like as we're scrolling and as we're you know we start realizing that we want different things or we like different things and actually do we like who where we kind of can so easily lose ourselves and I think that's another reason why anxiety is higher is that actually where is the pressure that we're putting on ourselves to to be a certain way when actually you know we we have this intuition we have this internal you know this kind of little compass that we can check in with and yes someone else doing something differently doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing it wrong yep and I think that's that's the trap that we fall into when we're looking for that right way and we're seeing someone do something else on social media and we just come to the conclusion that right they're doing it like that and so therefore I must be doing it wrong yes and and our sense of self just becomes so wobbly that we don't even know what we do without the noise anymore yeah like where would we turn we're just turning outward all the time where can I go what can I google what can I read what can I listen to to get the answer when actually you know wouldn't it be amazing what would it look like if the first place we went to was our own sense you know how does it feel what feels right does this feel you know does this feel good does this feel right am I happy with this before I add in all of the rest Yeah. And it's such a different experience using social media. When you have done that, you interpret it in such a different way. And I'll give you an example that I've talked about recently was a lot of people um, feel inferior or like they're not performing properly when they see these play setups online. So there's a lot of um, like his crafting ideas and sort of like sensory plays and they all look like really enticing and really beautiful. And I know that there are so many mums who see that sort of thing and feel like they are not performing or they're not doing it right or their kids are missing out. And it's so interesting for me because when I see that content, what I actually see is a parent who's playing. I see a mum who's probably a bit bored, um, is trying to stimulate herself and has has done that for her own enjoyment. And then, you know, is kind of passing it on to the child for them to play as well. And is getting pleasure out of seeking community in sharing that. And when I explain that, so many people are like, that is such a different way of viewing it rather than like this thing is there to make me feel inferior. I'm an optimist, but I truly believe that mums do not create content most of them don't create content to put online to make other mums feel inferior I think quite the opposite they're seeking community camaraderie fun and we tend to share what we're proud of and for some mums that is the sensory tray that they've made look beautiful that day (laughs) and it's the statements that we take from that isn't it and I think that shows you know where our self-esteem is at sometimes I might see that and I might think oh I haven't done that. My kids are missing out. I'm not good enough. I should be doing that. Or, or, or like you might see that and think, wow, they had so much fun doing that. That's amazing. Like I hope the kids enjoy it too, you know, yeah. and it's just a different way of seeing the same thing. And 
it just ref- you know it tells us a little bit about ourselves and where we're at I think I think I think we're all we like to be right about ourselves this is what I think so if I'm feeling rubbish I'm going to look at social media through that lens I'm going to be looking for things that prove Mm. to me that I am rubbish if I feel quite confident in a decision that I've made around maybe feeding my baby you know I'm not going to be I'm not going to create these statements from what I'm seeing other people's decisions and think I'm doing it wrong because actually I know that I'm doing the right thing for us so that's not going to affect me in the way in the same in the same way and I love um you know how often people say you know that really that really triggered me or that you know I feel really bad now because you shared that and actually I think those are opportunities for us yeah. to think what in us is is hurting or what in us are, are we actually needing a little mm-hmm. bit more confidence in or a bit more nurturing in and I think about you know if I had an injection on my arm you know and you get a flu jab or whatever and it makes your arm really achy and heavy and if you were to brush past me I might say Emma that that really hurt me you just really hurt me but you might brush past my other arm and it didn't hurt at all you know it's my pain there that's being touched upon it's mm-hmm. not it's you've just done you just brushed past me and I think sometimes we're so we so so quickly want to say you make me feel the way that you do this you make me feel insignificant you you're creating this perfect image of motherhood and it's making me feel like a rubbish one you need to be more yeah um, real you know and actually what is that what is that telling me you know maybe it's telling me that I I want to work on having some more confidence in the decisions that I'm making, or maybe I'm a bit jealous of that. And maybe I want to go on a flipping scooter too, really, instead of just dismissing it as silly. You know, what can we learn from those touch, those moments where we feel like, oh, there's something going on there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like, because I, I really see you as a sort of spokesperson for um, a generation of mums that are particularly engaged in social media and you have grown so um, I mean it seems quickly um, but you know you've grown massively and like your books have been really successful and there's obviously something in what you're doing that is really connecting with people and you're as I said at the beginning I feel like you're this kind of soothing balm to a lot of what we're talking about here I wondered if you could share have there been certain moments in that journey where you've perhaps found a particular metaphor, a particular topic that you can kind of break wide open and it's really kind of turned heads um, and kind of got people engaged in what you're doing? I'd love to hear what those kind of almost like flagpole moments have been in, yeah. in your journey. Yeah, so so for me, they're, they are talking about the things that often find us feeling most ashamed and questioning ourselves Mm. and questioning our ability to mother and questioning how good we are as a person. And for me, two of those main ones that just kind of reframing in my own life have transformed my life, maybe three actually, if I can remember them. Number one is intrusive thoughts. You know, they're just thoughts. We have them. And I talk about, because I understand them and because I can find some compassion for myself within the thoughts that I've had I can then talk about that so that other people can start breaking down some of that shame around them because when we feel shamed we're less likely to talk we're less likely to be kind towards ourselves we're less likely to seek doing those things that give us joy because and underneath it all we're 
we're shocked at ourselves or we're disgusted or we feel undeserving so intrusive thoughts are a massive one for me and when I was really sleep deprived with my second son um, I would have these intrusive thoughts of dropping him down the stairs really common one and throwing him down the stairs and I just thought oh my gosh what kind of mom has these thoughts about their child I was so shocked I thought if I talk about this someone's going to take my baby away and I remember how dark it felt and then you know I, I had all this training I'd been working with clients for years but I couldn't see the wood for the trees like a heart surgeon can't perform their own heart sur- surgery just because we know stuff doesn't mean that we can always see clearly mm. but I remember starting to think intentionally about about these thoughts and, and knowing that anxious thoughts say you know we can't control what thoughts come into our mind our mind is always playing with risk and responsibility and power and you know I think in motherhood often we we are in this tension between you know we have this love for this baby we have this protectiveness we know that we are there to look after it but then we have this other side of us that is just having a human response to the circumstances you know it is stressful there's a part of us fight or flight that just wants to get away and make it stop and you know and that's so often in in motherhood isn't it you know there are times in my kitchen where it's just also stressful and one of my children really struggles with emotional regulation and it's often incredibly loud and it can be really like fine one minute and just you know the world is ending the next and there's a part of me that knows that I'm the mom I'm there I've got to be stable I've got to be supportive I've got to be loving and then there's the other part of me that goes for goodness sake I want to get out of here this yep. is hard I want to get out someone get me out of here I want to get out the door you know I want to run away and then I could so easily just feel all this shame you know do I really love my kids if I want to run away yeah you know who am I am I not capable of looking after them can I not cope when actually we're just having a human response to the circumstances and we have to trust that that foundation of love is going to be there to drive us to get the support that we need in those moments and some tips or tools or whatever it is that we need and I think you know talking about we call it like that thundercloud moment where your humanness your human response and then your kind of the maternal that awareness you know they're just sometimes they're in conflict and that's not you being a bad person that's you being a human person in a hard situation And I think, you know, talking about that as well is really important. The other one that has really changed for me, I think, is feeling being misunderstood. We will be misunderstood all the time in life as we're walking around. People are making judgments. You know, people will think stuff of our parenting and parenting my son has really been a huge lesson for me, life changing lesson in in being comfortable with being misunderstood you know I think so often we want to explain ourselves we want to and especially on social media where you could put out a beautiful picture and someone will say wow that's amazing someone else will say you know I can't believe you've done that making me feel rubbish and and you might then want to say you know I just oh I'm sorry I'm sorry you just want to explain yourself actually having a having a child that I know the challenges that we face I know how hard I have to work some days to stay calm I I can step out on the school run and someone might think anything of me. They might think I'm grumpy because actually in reality, I'm just trying not to cry, you know, and then I'm going to be misunderstood left, right and center. But I know my truth. I know my truth. I know my family. I know, I know our story. I know our challenges. And that has been incredibly liberating for me is to be able to, to stand firmer in the things that we know to be true about ourselves and to slowly become a little bit more, confident and comfortable in the absolute certainty that we will be misunderstood by people that don't know us 
and by yeah. people who do know us and sometimes that can feel painful but you know and it's kind of trying to find ways to share a bit of that on social media I think in a place where we're all misunderstanding each other all the time because how the hell can we get it right when we're just seeing these tiny little snapshots you yeah, know of gosh, each other's lives so that's so that's interesting and I think changing. we sort of we crave that though don't we it's all we want is to sort of be seen and to be understood but I think what you're saying is that there is an acceptance there that perhaps we can't always get what we want. No. And, and actually the most powerful thing that we can ever learn to do is see and understand ourselves. Yeah. To say to that little child in us that is going, they don't get me. They can't, they don't understand me. And you as an adult speaking to that little child and you going, you know what I see, I see how hard it was this morning, Anna. I see, I know, I know how hard you work to stay calm in some moments. I know how broken you can feel sometimes. I know how, and it's just seeing and understanding yourself. And the more that we're able to do that, and the more that we're able to be vulnerable and open in just that little handful of relationships, I always say to clients, you know, three, three people in your life who really know, and, you know, keep pushing into those relationships or nurturing them where you can, or going beyond the I'm okay, or taking those little kind of risks of vulnerability, with those few people so I know no matter how misunderstood I I might be or my children might be in the wider world I know that I have these people who see me they know me they get me and and actually if the people that know us most in the world accept us then that shows we're acceptable yeah if we accept ourselves that shows Mm. that we're acceptable everything else is just noise you know, it might be valuable. Sometimes opinion feedback might be valuable, but yeah. Yeah, it's so, so important. And I think what you're talking about here, and I feel like this is the sort of new generation of thought leadership on parenting is focusing on you and the understanding of the self and the self-compassion and finding your own joy that there's a lot more conversation and I notice it over the last sort of 10 years certainly from having my eldest son to to my youngest that this seems to be a more progressive way of talking about motherhood when I had my first it was very much all about like the baby and fixing the baby and um, just this sort of real focus on some of those practical things, which are obviously really important to like routine and sleep and all that sort of stuff, but not as much around about maternal mental health. And now that feels like quite a shift and actually we're sort of coming into a, a sort of school of thought that is putting much more focus on the relationship that the mother has with herself and her own mental health as a way of um, benefiting the child and the relationship. To me, that still feels new-ish, but, and I very much see you as one of the, the sort of thought leaders spreading that message. And I wondered, as you have spoken about more of these things, how, how, how receptive are people to that information and what what kind of struggles do they have with that to, to shift that that mm. focus of I've got to sort me first and it's me that you know as as as, as well as I can make myself is going to benefit my yeah. child yeah I think I think you know initially you put the focus on but the benefiting the child right because 
people will say, how do I, I don't want to pass my anxiety onto my child. Mm. Like, Great. No, understandably not. I'm like, well, what can I do so that they're not anxious? I'm like, do you know what you can do? The most powerful thing that you can do that you are deserving of because you have equal value is addressing that anxiety for yourself. Yep. You know, the focus is on the child. What can I do to stop them feeling that? Mm. Well, they're looking to you, you know, so actually the best thing that you can do for them is to address, is to address it for yourself. And there is so much hope and so many tools and so many techniques to do that. So you can put the focus on, you know, do it for your child and, you know, address yourself as you I don't want my child to, to kind of take on my anxiety, my social anxiety or my low self, my sense of low self-worth. And I'm like, do it for yourself then. Do it for you to do it for them. Yeah. But then I know that as people start addressing it, it's going to, you know, it's going to bolster their own self-esteem and their own sense of self. And, and actually we are worthy of doing these things for ourselves. This is our life too. This is our life. You know, so much focus on it, on social media at the moment on, you know, how to facilitate great some of your children, how yes. to make some great memories. And, you know, I'm like, this is my summer too. Yes. This is my, this is my summer too. And, and I think it's, it's about the both and why it's almost like the flashlight is for so many years has been flung onto the child. And actually we, what, what? So when we have kids, we, we stop being deserving of fun and we stop being deserving of being enough of a reason to address our anxiety, because actually it takes up so much headspace. It robs our sleep. We can't be as peaceful as present in moments because we're in our fight or flight mode and we're living like we're being chased because we feel like we have to do everything. And we're worthy of, of having that for ourselves as well. And our children will benefit. And I did a little reel yesterday and I was sat on my exercise bike and Topsy and Tim was on the telly and my daughter was watching it. And I was like, I will use the things, I use what I can, TV, sometimes tablets, whatever it is, she had a nail varnish out everywhere. I use what I can to get what I need totally. to give them what they deserve. But also I deserve it too. Yep. But I deserve to get to do those things that make me feel more myself, not just for the extra capacity it gives me, the extra resilience in those moments, the extra ability to kind of access the tools that I have. Because when we're stressed and overwhelmed, we might have all the tools in the book for parenting, but we cannot access them because we're just focusing on getting through that moment. You know, it will benefit them. But I'm enough of a reason for her to be watching Tops and Tim so I can get my sweat on in the room next door. You know, that's an. And I think well, start making it about the kids because that's what everyone feels comfortable. That's a good access point. And then start seeing how much you benefit too and how much they benefit from you being more yourself. Yeah, yeah. Amen. A hundred percent. And um, I think when in my research, when I sort of looked at what are the aspirations of parents and most often they will say, I want my kids to be safe and I want my kids to be happy. And oh my goodness, both of those are pretty much unachievable. So you can keep your kids safer. It's impossible to keep them safe and to, to pursue happiness for your child. Well, that is a, a relentless task because as we know, happiness is, you know, it's, it's fleeting. Sometimes it can stick around for a while, but it might come and it might go and we all have different emotions. So these, these goals that we have, these big, like lofty goals, we have to be able to turn those on ourselves. I think we sometimes underestimate the impact that we can have on our children and our own sense of fun, 
joy, um, calming ourselves down um, is absolutely massive and is so much more of a gift to them than like, yeah, planning 25 trips across the summer holidays. But I, I also do wonder if there's a bit of an instant gratification here thing with the doing it for me, doing it for the kids, because when you do things for the kids, you can get almost like a... Um, a very sensorial like read on that you can see their joy their excitement and you sort of get that reward when you work on yourself it's much quieter the benefits that you get back it will show up in your conversations it will show up in your um, ability to interact with them in challenging times and it won't be instant so I think yeah, I think we do live in quite a sort of uh, this instant gratification world. And as we talked about earlier, solutions driven and the working on yourself, working on your own anxiety, doing things for yourself. It can be hard to see the instant payoff in terms of what your kids are getting for that. But you have to you have to trust the process and stick with it because it's so much more of a long term gain like it's this is for long-term relationship benefits um and yeah. for the sort of well-being of your of your child yeah it's life lesson stuff isn't it and you know I did uh, another little video the other day of you know I was on the sofa reading a book and one of the kids goes mommy and I'm like ah oh, okay okay and coming and I throw the book down I jump off the sofa and then I did another version where you know they were like mommy and I was like yeah I'll be there in a couple of minutes I'm just finishing this page and it's, you know, it's, it's letting them see that life doesn't stop when you become a grown up, mm-hmm. like it just your, your enjoyment, your needs, your fun, your, you know, your rest, these things carry on being important forever. And I think, you know, sacrificial, I think I just grew into motherhood from maybe seeing what what was modeled to me through childhood or had a difficult difficult dynamic at home where I feel like my mum basically overcome like had to compensate for for my dad as well because the way that because the way that he's wired and the way that he coped with my sister's death and illness and she it was almost like she what she wanted to be double to make up yeah. for where he couldn't um so I you know and you know that came from the most amazing place um but for me I think I learned that that everything had to be around kids. You know, when you become a mom, you are for your kids. And that that is, you know, where everything, everything goes into. And it's almost like that kind of sacrificial, yeah. It doesn't matter what I do or don't have left at the end of the day, as long as they're okay. And um, I think that's just where I started motherhood. Yeah. Um, and I, lo- I lost myself you know I was kind of chipped away and chipped away mm. because I just put myself at the back you know mm. I want to do this but I can't because I'm mum or I need this but I can't have it because I'm doing sorting the kids out and I think you know it's about un- unpicking that and recognizing that I have equal value do, do I believe that humans are of equal value I do personally believe I think even if you sit I've, I've had so many stories, you know, I've sat with people who would have been marginalized by society, people that have done horrific, horrendous things. And if you really speak to someone, you'll get to the bottom of their story and you will be able to find compassion. You will see the brokenness there. You will, you can. And, you know, I believe that everyone has value. So therefore I have value too. And I think, you know, we've upped the bar so high for our parenting, but the bar for our own kind of mental and emotional well-being is on the floor like how that can't that can mm. never work 
it can never work like that. It leads to burnout, resentment, exhaustion, loss of identity, loss of self-esteem, loss of ability to rationalize anxious thoughts because we're so drained. You know, and I just think we need to up the bar. If we want to up the bar for our kids, we need to up the bar for us because how the hell can we be good parents when we're on the floor? I'm not a nice person to be around. My husband now will literally beg me to go for a walk. Be like, can you just go for a walk, please? Because he knows, (laughs) he can see when I've just kind of, you know, slipped into that zone where I'm depleted. And I I love that is that we started to really value as a family Mm. that my mental health is fifth and important because I'm like the pilot to those kids. They look to me. Yeah. To know whether this turbulence is whether they're okay or not. And if I'm freaking out with them, everyone feels unsafe. Yeah. Which is why I love the title of your book, The Little Book of Calm, because that's what we all need. We all need to just chill out a bit. Let's just let's just chill out on this parenting, which has become a career. Let's stop beating ourselves up for feeling angry and resentful and like missing, you know, aspects of our pre-parenting life or you know, let's just let's just yeah bring a bit of compassion and humanness back into it all yeah 100 percent um anna thank you so much for joining me um this has been such a brilliant chat and as always you've dropped some lovely analogies and metaphors that i know are going to resonate with people so thank you so much for your time and energy today pleasure and a privilege thank you so much for having me